it felt like my whole world had been flipped upside down. To say I was in shock would be an understatement. Everything at first, it just seems like it's going like 100 miles an hour. I, 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 I must have been just absolutely numb. Each and every one of us is currently grappling with a peculiar new reality. Leaving the house has become a rarity and a lot of people are struggling. It's common to hear our current situation compared with prison. And it's not, believe me, I've got to keep saying it, this is nothing like prison. But it, but it's very, very close. This experience definitely is a window into to what life is like inside. But what if you were locked inside a 12 by 6 cell alone for 24 hours a day? In this episode, you'll hear from two men who've experienced one of our most feared punishments, solitary confinement. How does that compare to our situation? This is Unjust, a Justice Gap podcast. I'm Callum McRae. Hi, my name's Patrick Maguire. Patrick Maguire was the youngest member of the infamous Maguire Seven. A miscarriage of justice back in the 70s. This episode won't deal with the route to prison, but at the age of just 14, Patrick was wrongly sent to prison in a shameful chapter of British injustice. I'm now 59 and like the rest of you, I'm locked down. The first month of his sentence in which he turned 15, he was held in solitary confinement. Without doubt, that still haunts me to this day. Everything in that that, that room, that cell, was, was hostile to me. I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. Can you describe that room for me? Can you describe that cell? Yeah. I'm, if I'm standing here now and I'm in the doorway, and the door's opened to the left, so there's the bed and there's the folded sheets and blankets and God knows what else. On the right... Right in the corner, against the wall, was a table, small table and a chair. And next to that was a, like a bedroom, like a little locker. And that's your room. You'd have your cell door that had a little flap on the outside. So you could look outside when the, the officer opened up the flap. At the age of 18, Lee Cutter spent five months in solitary confinement as part of a six-year sentence. Just twice a week, he was allowed out of that room for phone calls and a shower. If, if like, the officer had left it open, it was a bit of a treat. You, you could see outside, but that was just, you know, more cells in the corridor. And, you know, outside your window, you, you, you can just see more prison. I think, I think in that cell, I could see the exercise yard. If he was lucky, he'd spot a bird or two flying into that exercise yard. They just so freely fly over the borders and and that can give you a little bit of hope because you you end up relating to these birds thinking that you know maybe one day I will be out of this room because that's the thing that that goes around constantly or did go around constantly in my head at the time it was am I ever going to be out of this room the window was pointless you couldn't see anything really you know you just saw a wall very high wall outside and at a distance. And can you tell me a little bit about that daily routine from waking up and then going to bed? So the routine would have been, you wake up in the morning, you're woken up. You know, it was a bang on the door with their truncheons. And the call was usually, off your cocks and pull up your socks, some some bullshit like that, and slop out. 
which means you're, you're chamber pot. You come out on your own, and, and there you are, and you've got to slosh it out and then get a brush and clean it out. It's rotten. Absolutely stink. It was the 70s, the bad old days. Lee didn't have to empty his chamber pots, but apart from that, it was much the same. First thing in the morning, an officer will walk around, open up your, your flap to just make sure that you're in the cell and usually slam the flap to wake you up. And then you'd have to make your bedding because you're not allowed to be in your bed throughout the day or you'd lose marks on your, your score sheet. You couldn't lie in the bed during the day. You could sit on it if you wanted to. Then you have a, the breakfast comes around, whatever it is. So you'd get a piece of toast, you'd get jam, you'd get a small bag of cereal, a milk and a tea bag and a sugar. And then an officer would kick them into your, your cell and lock you back up. And then, you know, you've got several hours to do as you please in your cell. My big thing that I'm learning throughout all this is, is there's a lot of time when, you know, you're with your own thoughts. And actually, in some way, it's helpful to be able to reflect and, and slow down a bit. But the one thing you, you're constantly trying to find is, is to fill fill that time because it because it's hard to deal with reflection constantly and I just wonder what you what you did in that month how how did you get through that scrubbing floors scrubbing floors uh, on your hands and knees and uh, they come around and have a look at that if it weren't no good you'll do it again which happened a lot in the end I was I was cleaning places they didn't even exist you know what I, mean? I got right into it that's what it does and it was all about you know waiting for your food to come cleaning and a lot of crying, a lot of crying, and a lot of wondering, thinking, what the fuck, is, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> I want my mum, I just want my mum and dad. I just wanted to go home. I really and truly did. That, that whole room just becomes so consuming. I was developing like anxiety as well, just being in that cell. The whole day, you'd either get anxious when an officer would, would walk past or you'd hear the keys just outside your door starting to suffer from depression it was just yeah really really tough for patrick Maguire, the night time in solitary confinement was definitely the hardest i was never scared of the dark as a kid but when the first night came of being in this place the lights go out at, i don't know half seven eight o'clock and all of a sudden this, my, my light went off and it was replaced by a red one a red light they do this because you're on a a security watch, you know, committing suicide or whatever. But no one came to my door. So I couldn't, I mean, yeah, I mean, some shit went on in that room. And the only way I can explain it really is like, like, like tripping. And I'm trying to think of what Nelson Mandela said about being in solitary confinement. Nelson Mandela said of being in solitary confinement the following, quote, there is no end and no beginning. There's only one's mind which can begin to play tricks. Was that a dream or did it really happen? One begins to question everything. And I can hear all sorts of noises, and you then you'd hear fucking pipe down, that'd be an officer, and banging on doors, and you can hear what you like, what you want to. You know, what else have you got to do? And uh, I'm a child, I'm a kid with an imagination. I mean, my school reports all said, lovely boy, chases a girl, he's good at football, but uh, boy, does he daydream. What was real was that red. I can feel it burning now, just thinking about it. That light, and the more you struggled against it or cried out, not loud, loud enough that you can hear it, in, in, you know, cry out loud, but not to be heard in your tears and your crying. The more that you seem to do that, the hotter and the brighter, and all of a sudden you're cocooned in this, this fucking redness. Even darkness itself was taken away. 
you don't see the point you kind of feel like you've just hit the the self-destruct button and, and you know there's no way out and that nobody really wants to help you get out of that space it's almost like the establishment want you to feel this way because they have nothing in place to help rehabilitate you or, or to give you any hope you just become very much in your own head I guess because there's nobody else around you you know you've got nobody to communicate with Patrick quote-unquote celebrated his birthday in that cell and at the age of 15 he'd had enough I couldn't have spent another week in that freaking place I, or I wouldn't be speaking to you now it's as simple as that Right, I was, I'm going to say, I was on death's door in another sense. The, the pit of my stomach, whatever that month had drained down me, especially in the evenings, wherever I was, that 14-year-old child, whatever I was, whatever I'd embraced, been shown by my parents, love, when you're wrong, you get told you're wrong, everything I'd known had been erased, had been drained out of my body. But here I am, I survived. Patrick is now an artist and his experiences in prison and solitary confinement are big influences on his work. Lee Cutter, he's also an artist and his discovery of art and reflection was what got him through his five months in that cell. An officer left a pencil in my cell. I used that that pencil to then write down all of my thoughts and feelings on bits of paper. I'm not really sure where that came from. It just felt like what I needed to do at the time. It kind of became a diary, I guess. I started drawing just, just, yeah, things in the cell. Drew, drew like the exercise yard just outside of the cell. I was just using this pencil and these scraps of paper. And then when I'd ran out of paper, I started drawing into bars of soap because other people had been doing some soap carvings on the wing and thought oh, I'd give that a go. And mine were rubbish. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I kept at it. That, that was towards the end of that that five months I spent in, in that prison. Shortly after that, I'd then been moved to another prison, and that's really where the, the art picked up. But when I was in that space, yeah, art was really giving me a focus and, and keeping me active, I think, keeping my brain active, which is the important thing. I constantly find myself walking into solitary, because that's where, that's where the art is. There's no art school in the world where you, you can... You might, they might be able to teach you how to draw a straight line, but you wouldn't be able to get the stuff that I can draw in there. You know, this is life. That time inside the cell gave Lee an appreciation for the mundane, which still impacts on his art today. You start noticing the little things. He had like a kind of twisty thing to open up the window. You'd turn it and the, the window would open, but you, you couldn't actually open it wide. It was just it opened slightly. But it's just that, that twisty thing. It just becomes such an important thing in your life. Because, you know, you, you've, that's something that you can do in there. You, you, you know, you, you're able to, to open your window. And you can find his artwork on the Kersler Trust website and on Instagram at... Cutter underscore studio. And you can find Patrick's art too at... All the W's and it's patrickmaguire.co.uk. Being locked inside is something we're all getting to grips with right now. But the unique experience of solitary confinement is clearly a harrowing and everlasting one. Patrick puts it this way. Okay, I did write this down. Prison is one thing shared by many. Uh, solitary confinement. I still ain't finished it.
This was a Justice Gap podcast produced by me, Callum McRae, again with help from Axa Hussein. Please do us a massive favour by sharing, recommending it to your friends and rating us on your podcast platform. The original music was produced by Ed Starkey. <laughs>